Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I'm your host, Kelia Clarkson. I'm an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. We want to thank each and every listener who's tuning in today. We are always so glad to have you with us, and we hope you have something warm to sip on. I myself just finished a mug of Yorkshire tea with vanilla and nutmeg, and it was absolutely beautiful. We'll be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week, and finishing off with a blessing or positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was your thorn this week, and what was your rose this week? Well, I'm imagining that we might share a thorn, or if you don't say this, I think you probably will at least agree that our Colorado winter has not been a typical lovely winter. No. Um, usually it's this lovely like dance between snow and then 55 degree days in between in which the snow melts and you can get outside and enjoy the sun and mm-hmm. everything. But we have had the longest span of cold days that I can recall experiencing from December through all of January. And it just feels far more like a Midwestern winter that I grew up with than (laughs) what has (laughs) been my experience in my, my adult years here. So yeah, that was definitely, that's been, that's been a thorn. Um, But despite the cold and the snow and the ice that is sticking around, however, my rose is that we got to spend time with two different sets of good friends this past week. Um, We hosted one couple for dinner and the other couple hosted us. And uh, it's just such a pleasure to get to do both of those things, to get to host and then also to be hosted. And I'll also say too, that one of these sets of friends are my parents' age. So it's just so fun to have friends that are your age and then friends that are older and wiser and have been down the road a bit more. Mm. So to be able to um, have a bit of a touch of kind of like the mentoring relationship while also still feeling like peers because yeah, just, you know, sitting across the table from each other and laughing and having a good time and talking about life. So we had delightful food and drinks, rich conversation. And, you know, I think especially when it's been a while since we've had good times like this with others, um, it can strike me as like, you know, just reminding me what a gift it is to have such good friendships and how much I would love for this to be a weekly part of my life if possible. (laughs) Yes. Don't we all also, I love that you said to host and be hosted. That sounds almost like a book title or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea, especially about in, that. <laughs> in, in, in our age where I think we all, right, we all want to be hosted, right? But I think there's yeah. something, there's something about, I don't know, there's, there's some tension or there's some hurdles maybe to get over, whether we feel like, um, I don't know, how, how to get people to be reciprocal, I think has always oh, been a yes. challenge. This yes. idea of like wanting to get together, but like, will, will people invite me back? Right. Because that's part of it. That's the dance is 
you know, you have to hit the ball back as my, um, my, Mm. my mother-in-law loves to say, um, interestingly. So I thought about, um, also having the weather be my thorn, (laughs) (laughs) but then I was like, I feel like I've, um, complained so much about this weather, (laughs) like over the past few podcasts that I'm going, I should probably pick a new thorn. So it was definitely I did your it. turn. I did, it. I did it for you. Yeah. It was your turn. <laughs> um, so my thorn this week is the fact that I am traveling in just a couple of days, which mm. I love the results of traveling, right? Being in a new place, experiences, adventures. But the week before I go anywhere, I'm always very, very anxious. And I very much just mentally check out of wherever I, I am the week before I go anywhere. So I always find that I live in this weird in-between nowhere place in my mind where it's just very hard to get things done. I have a hard time focusing. Um, I don't feel like I can really rest in any kind of rhythm because everything's going to change soon. Mm -hmm. However, on the flip side of this thorn is my rose. Because before we head home to New York, we are going to be traveling to Los Angeles and spending a couple of days there in order to shoot out a few scenes of my husband, Nathan's new movie, Bright Sky, which is a modern Western film that tells a story of two broken people whose paths cross as they each seek redemption and happiness. And Mm -hmm. lucky me, I happen to be in this movie. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) So yay. (laughs) So while I'm anxious leading up to the trip, the reward will be getting to be on set, which to me is just one of the most invigorating experiences and getting to act, which was one of my first loves. Mm. So my rose definitely outweighs my thorn this week. That's good to hear. (laughs) All right. So a couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week, if you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it and make sure to share with a friend. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to the letter for today, which deals with the pressure of hookup culture that faces young women today. Dear Wallflower, I am a 24-year-old woman recently out of college, living in a big city and loving it. I have a crew of friends, some of whom are my roommates, that are, to put it mildly, more experienced than I am. I didn't date throughout college, but they all did. I'm single, but they are all dating around and sleeping with guys. I was raised with the idea that we should save ourselves for marriage but I'm starting to wonder if it's really all that important. My friends tell me it's just a physical act that I shouldn't place on a pedestal and that waiting for and that waiting is old-fashioned and silly and that I'll never know if a guy is a good match for me if I don't sleep with him first. They also keep inviting me out with them to meet guys. I've almost gone a couple of times, but for some reason I can't bring myself to go. Still, they seem to be having the time of their lives. I guess my question is, are they right? Is the whole waiting for marriage thing old-fashioned advice, or is there something to it? Sincerely, waiting and wondering. Jessica, what are your thoughts for waiting and wondering today? Wow, this is a heavy topic, and I'm humbled and honored to be able to speak into it. 
I would say to our dear listener, I am so sorry that you're receiving such an onslaught of lies. Truly, mm-hmm. there are fiery darts coming your way left and right from the messages you say that you're receiving. And let me say this quite bluntly. Your friends are, are not right. <laughs> These words are flawed, they are misleading, and they're harmful. While I don't mean to say that I think that these women you're referring to are trying to hurt you intentionally, rather they appear to be blind to their own harm, it is nonetheless true that what they are attempting to encourage you to do is not for your good. And I will go so far as to say that it would be better for them as well if they stopped living so casually and so recklessly. I'm going to take some time here at the start to address and dispel a few lies that are woven throughout your letter. So there are three here that I'm going to um, name and and talk about here. So lie number one is that it's just a physical act. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm no neuroscientist, but in addition to the fact that our bodies are highly complex and interconnected, meaning there are hardly any, if any, quote, just physical acts, what we do with our bodies affects us holistically. Moreover, sexual intimacy is highly emotional and Mm -hmm. relational. It may seem to be merely physical in one's thoughts, um, and it sounds like your friends are telling themselves this, but it is so much more than that. Obviously, I cannot speak for men, um, but for me, and I think I've heard from other women, um, sexual intimacy with my husband is deeply emotional and relational. It is an act that involves our entire selves as persons, and anyone who tells you otherwise is blind to the truth. They may tell themselves it's only physical to perhaps attempt to keep at bay the emotional havoc that casual sex can reach uh, can wreak on a person's mind and heart. And perhaps many are simply brainwashed by the lies that our sex-crazed culture tells. And mm. the media, man, the media is doing us no favors here. <laughs> uh, lie number two is you have to sleep with a guy to know if he's a good match. Mm. First off, from my point of view, any guy who is asking you to sleep with him before marriage is not a good match for you. This is, a, <laughs> this is a deal breaker value that must be shared in common. Sometimes people will say this about kissing too, claiming that you have to quote, find out if you have chemistry. Frankly, I think that that's also a bunch of baloney. Um, As much as the movies may chalk up this notion of the magical connection that a couple who is meant for each other can, um, you know, can have and this idea of true love's kiss, I think things are actually contingent upon the actual love and respect and commitment that you have to a particular person. It is the love that you share with your romantic partner that makes displays of affection so sweet. It's about relationship and depth, vulnerability, commitment. In short, and this might sound kind of funny, but we don't go around kissing random people to find out who to marry. You know, like, oh, is there a spark here? Let me kiss you. Is there a spark? No, like that's not what we do. So why would we be so casual with something far more personal and intimate as our mm-hmm. sexuality? So um, to know if a guy is a good match for you, I think pursuing friendship is a wonderful way forward. And I mean, it could be, you know, a dating flavor of friendship, but I think mm-hmm. friendship, that kind of in relationship is, is something to pursue. Getting to know a person for who they really are in the various aspects of day-to-day life is key. You know, how does a man treat you? How does he treat his family? Mm-hmm. Especially his mother and his sisters, if mm-hmm. he has any. 
Um, how does he interact with others in his place of work? What are his deepest held values? And what is his character like? These are not things that you find out from what your friends claim are the merely physical acts of sex sexual intimacy. Sadly, our culture of casual hookups probably doesn't know what much about true relational intimacy and compatibility, which is really what I suggest that you look for through a dating mm -hmm. friendship founded on meaningful communication and common values. And then moving on to the third lie, lie number three, sleeping around will lead you to have the time of your life. <laughs> Maybe your friends are riding the waves of some hormonal highs from their risque escapades, but I seriously have to wonder how they feel deep down. If they were to be truly honest about how they really feel, I wonder what they would say. Hmm. A deeply connective physical act without loving commitment must feel so hollow, at least I could only imagine, especially when the aim or the practice is to diversify one's partner's there is often a, a profound shallowness of relational bonding outside of the physical act. And yet there's also this powerful intensity of physical and thus like neurochemical bonding. Yeah. Honestly, I just can't imagine the pain that they must be repressing. Um, for you, our listener, uh, listening in and looking on, you know, in, in regard to your friends and their, their activities, I imagine that it can appear one way when they say certain things. And even if you happen to encounter them not long after riding some kind of hookup high that they might be on, but I would be willing to bet that they don't feel truly satisfied or fulfilled in this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Or if in some way that they do feel satisfied for the time being, I can't imagine that it will last long. You know, they're, they're grasping at smoke. Now I recognize that I have used some pretty strong language here, but <laughs> I also believe that it is fitting. You know, the topic of sexual intimacy is no small, small matter. I, I like, I like to liken it to fire. It, it truly is like fire when the proper, when it's in the proper place and context, that is a fireplace. You know, it can be <laughs> the most wonderful of things. It can be warming and beautiful, but when outside of the proper context or boundaries, it wreaks havoc like a house on fire. It destroys. That's a really good point. You know, I have to give a shout out to my mom here. She's done talks with stu students in, in middle school and that's her um, go-to analogy. So thanks mom for that. And, you know, while waiting for marriage to have sex, understandably, it may seem like an old fashioned piece of advice. It is by far the best choice that you can make for both yourself and your future husband. Whatever myths might be fed to you, you don't need to enter marriage with experience um, quote in bed, uh, mm -hmm. while it might make you feel embarrassed to think about knowing next to nothing about sex before getting married, it's actually a very good and beautiful thing like mm -hmm. to, to be somewhat innocent. Um, a couple who have committed to one another in love are safe within the context of marriage to explore and learn together. As I've read a counselor say on this topic of, you know, sexual intimacy, intimacy in marriage. Um, you shouldn't expect your wedding night to be the best night of sex anyway. And that would mean <laughs> that everything else is downhill from there. And that would be sad. So <laughs> expect to grow together. Um, I want to close by saying a few words in support of the beautiful idea of saving oneself for marriage. First, for any Christian listeners, we of course have God's design for marriage as our foundation. 
But for anyone listening who does not have a Christian viewpoint as her framework, or even for Christians who are listening that want to see that there is scientific evidence to support the biblical worldview, I will say that the social science does support saving oneself for marriage. Just like moving in together with with someone before marriage is like practicing for divorce, sleeping around is a powerful way to practice infidelity to your Mm -hmm. partner. I encourage listeners to check out the work of Dr. Sue Johnson. She is known for her book, Hold Me Tight, and also has an amazing two-hour interview on a very thoughtful podcast called The Knowledge Project, hosted by Shane Parrish. In essence, I recommend Dr. Sue Johnson's work because it shows that the social science supports what we're talking about here, that relationships are best when one man and one woman commit to one another exclusively and only open up and give themselves most intimately within that exclusive commitment, that Mm. is marriage. Lastly, I, I do want to say a word to those who have believed the lies I addressed here to the point of taking action. I don't want you to hear any of these words as shaming. While past actions may have been harmful to you and those acts ought to rightly be called wrong or unwise, this does not make you bad. You have a choice now and going forward in how you live in this moment and down the line. Maybe you have made poor choices in the past or perhaps you were even taken advantage of. Mm. And I'm so sorry for this. But this is not and does not have to be who you are now and going forward. I hope that you can hear this and be encouraged. Um, I have some lyrics that come to mind from from a song by 10th Avenue North that some, some listeners may be familiar with. But they go like this. You are more than the choices that you make. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. And indeed, if you are in Christ, you have been remade. So please hear that today. Mm. So to our listener waiting and wondering, thank you. Thank you so, so much for this honest and vulnerable letter. It gives us, Keely and I, the chance to address something that is strangely either completely taboo or on the other hand, talked about (laughs) so casually that you'd think that we're discussing the weather. So I'm just glad to be able to to address it in, in a more serious way. I hope that hearing these words will be an encouragement for you to stand strong in how you are raised. May you continue to protect this gift of yourself for your future husband and seek to foster meaningful friendships with men of valiant character as you consider the prospect of marriage. I absolutely loved the lyrics that you shared, especially, interestingly, the line that goes um, something about the problems that you have created. Mm. That's acknowledging that we had a part in maybe some of the regrets and the mistakes that we have, that we created these problems ourselves, and yet we are made new. Mm-hmm. We are made new in Christ. That That's a really um, beautiful um, little bit of lyrics that you shared. Um my heart really goes out to our writer. I can deeply identify with the struggle of feeling behind, feeling uncool, being made to feel unliberated, (laughs) and having not just friends speaking into your life and influencing you like this, but also hearing similar messages from culture, from TV shows, from songs and magazines that are marketed to us as young women. And this messaging that intimacy is merely a physical act, that it has zero consequences for young women is very, very strong and it's very persuasive. 
especially I think when you're living surrounded by it, by friends that you trust and even desire to emulate in a way who themselves have fallen into hookup culture. But speaking as someone who's experienced this kind of messaging and pressure and even found myself wrapped up in it, you know, I grew up in a very secular city, Los Angeles. I can say that no matter how fun and romantic it looks in TV shows or how exciting your friends are making it seem or how mature we might feel being part of it, it can lead us as young women, especially to very dark, broken and painful places. I don't believe that we were made for casual hookups. We were not created for that. We can't engage in casual sex because sex inherently is not casual. Mm, word. <laughs> Despite what we might tell ourselves or even be told by others, our bodies certainly do not find it casual. Our brains, during such an intimate act, release oxytocin, something that is commonly referred to as the love drug, And it's called this because it actually serves to bond us with the person that we are with. So interestingly, mothers will release oxytocin during childbirth, as well as when they are feeding their baby. So clearly, it is a hormone that is designed to create strong, lasting, deep bonds. This, I think, is evidence enough that intimacy by nature cannot be noncommittal because our bodies simply were not designed to handle it this way. And this isn't putting it on a pedestal as much as it is speaking about it entirely practically. But even having said that, I think it's important to explore how engaging in hookup culture can actually affect women, how it can impact our self-worth, our happiness, and our mental health. So one study, which included 186 participants, found that 35% of people felt regretful or embarrassed after a hookup. Another study conducted in Canada, which included 200 undergraduate students, this is a mix of men and women, all these studies, um, found that 78% of the women who engaged in hookups reported a history of experiencing regret following such an encounter. The rates in many of the studies were higher among women. And these types of studies go on and on many of them coming up with very similar findings. More than enough people report feeling regret. And my guess is that that number is likely even higher than is reported Mm -hmm. as it requires participants to be very honest about something they might feel very embarrassed and shameful about. Engaging in hookup culture as women and taking on the risk of pregnancy Allowing someone who has not shown a shred of commitment, care, or thought for us to have a very intimate kind of access to our body is bound to negatively impact us, even if we do not immediately realize it. The reality is that while women and men were created in equal value, we were not created exactly the same. Mm -hmm. When it comes to hooking up, the simple fact is that it's different for women while both men and women will be negatively impacted by treating intimacy lightly, when a woman sleeps with a man, she is creating deep, lasting emotional bonds with him. And also, I want to just say, none of this is to say that anyone who has engaged in hookup culture is too far gone or ruined or inherently bad. Mm -hmm. 
Having been intimate with a man that you weren't married to does not take away your inherent value. It does not make you less worthy of love than someone who hasn't done that. And I want to make that very clear because there are so many young women walking around today with so much guilt and shame and self-hatred, and they don't know what to do with it all for one night or a phase of their life that they now wish that they could take back. If this is you, listener, you are not ruined. Mm-hmm. You are human, you are loved, and you are made new in Christ. Yes. I think it's important now to talk about our writer's friends. They are, I believe, <laughs> making mistakes and hurting themselves in ways that they may not be able to see yet. This doesn't make them bad or irredeemable. However, I do think it may be prudent for a writer to look for friends that share her values and encourage her to live a healthier lifestyle. We are deeply affected by the people we spend our time with. We have to be intentional, practical, and careful when it comes to whom we allow to get close to us, to have influence over us, to speak into our lives. A writer might enjoy her friendship with these girls, and I'm not advocating for dropping them completely, but speaking from personal experience, it's incredibly helpful to have someone around who affirms your convictions and encourages you to live into them rather than against them. She needs friends on whom she can rely to do this for her. Such a good point. And this might look, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, this might look like getting involved at her church if she has a regular one that she goes to, or simply finding some other kind of local faith community, maybe getting involved in a Bible study with other girls her age and filling her time by being with fellow believers rather than wondering if she should join her friends on their nights out. She might even consider expressing to her current friends that their insistence on her participation makes her feel uncomfortable and pressured, or that for her, waiting for marriage is simply important. Overall, I want to encourage our writer to be careful of whom she allows to influence her. And just to comment on her friend's comments that the only way you will know if you're a good match is to be intimate before committing further. Let me just say that the real way to know if a guy is a good match for you is if he treats you with respect, if he values you for who you are and not what you can do for him, if he respects your boundaries and would rather know you as a whole person with hopes and insecurities and dreams and quirks, just as Jessica spoke to earlier. (laughs) So to wrap this all up, and answer our writer's very last question. No, it's not old-fashioned or silly to wait for marriage. It's actually in line with the reality of our nature, with our biological hardwiring, with how we were created. It is meant to ensure that we are treated with the respect that we deserved, recognized as valuable and worth committing to and investing in. So, I want to thank our writer for giving us the opportunity to speak into this today. It's been a pleasure to dive into this hefty topic today. Agreed. All right. So it is time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us really happy. 
Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? I am going to suggest a different podcast called Finding Holy by Ashley Mm. Hales. I have not listened to a ton of episodes of this podcast, but I did find it to be life-giving and soul-nourishing. Most of the episodes are thoughtful interviews with people on a variety of topics related to our spiritual walk. And Mm -hmm. I listened to one, I think it was from back in November, maybe, um, with Jem Fadling about our thought lives. And I found it just insightful as well as practical. And I don't by any means want to push anyone away from listening to Dear Wallflower. But, (laughs) you know, if you're interested in something a bit different, um, maybe take a look. Ashley is also author of a book called A Spacious Life, which I have Mm. not read, but I just love that title. I think the title gives a bit of her ethos. And so, you know, who doesn't want a more spacious life and one in which we can find the holy? Mm. So. Yeah, I love that. Find the holy. Um, absolutely. Please go check out that podcast. If you are listening to podcasts already, you'll be interested in that one. <laughs> um, so this week I am suggesting The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. And what I really love about Lewis and his writing is that he is able to take these really big abstract ideas and put them into easily digestible terms. Mm-hmm. And this is what makes him so important, in my opinion, for Christians to read his work. And what I loved about The Four Loves, which incidentally, Jessica and I actually read together, (laughs) is how Lewis outlines the different types of love that we can experience in our lifetime. And he talks about romantic love and what that ought to look like and what good, deep, and fulfilling friendships really look like, what platonic love really is. And it was the kind of book that I really wished I had read years earlier as I felt that it would have helped me be far more considerate of how I approached all of my relationships and more prudent about what kind of treatment I allowed. And I think any Christian looking to cultivate good relationships, whether friendships or something romantic, really needs to read this book. So go ahead and check out The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. All right. To wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every single week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.